We're going to be in the Word today in chapter 16 of the story, which is the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. And um, there, when I was a young man, I, I actually uh, 20 years ago this month is when I, came, when I became a Christ follower. It's kind of fun, a fun month for me. And, um, but when I was tw- 19-ish, um, I was at a student ministry thing. I was a volunteer in the student ministry. And I heard a guy speak about Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. And there's this little sentence that Isaiah echoes back to God that simply just grabbed and captivated my heart. You know, student pastors motivate, woo, go do it, right? Or don't do it, uh, teenagers. Uh, but uh, go, and, go and, and be Christians in your school system. Go and be leaders. And I'm a young guy in college, and these are Isaiah's words, right? How many of you guys have ever seen that statement or heard that statement? Yeah, it's found in the book of Isaiah. Um, chapter 6, I'm just going to flip there really fast because when I saw that, it really just grabbed me, grabbed my heart. And I thought, you know what? Um, Lord, that's my prayer as a young dude. And that's been a consistent prayer throughout my adult life is, Father, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. Like, think of this context. God is looking down on his people and he's looking for someone to send And Isaiah has the boldness and the audacity to think, well, why not? Here I am, Lord, send me. But in my ignorance, I did not understand the context of what followed. Like, oh, we read, Lord, here I am, send me. God, use me, be your messenger, be your servant, be your example, send me. I'm going to get to be Joel Osteen, right? Maybe you don't like Joel Osteen. I'm going to get to be T.D. Jakes. I'm going to get to be the next, I'm going to get to be Billy Graham. Yeah, that's right, God. Send me. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll be TV star, right? I'll, right? And, and, and so here's the context. And this, I wish the sentence just ended there. But what God was going to send Isaiah to do was not a fun message. And it wasn't going to be a popular crowdsourcing idea. It was going to be a very difficult thing for the Israelites to hear. And this is what he said. Isaiah goes, I, here, here am I, send me. And God said, go tell the people, listen continually, but don't, uh, listen continually, but don't understand. Look continually, but don't perceive. Make the hearts of these people callous. Make their ears deaf and their eyes blind. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and their hearts might understand, and they might repent and, believe, and be healed. And I replied, Isaiah said, how long, sovereign master? And he said, until cities are in ruins and unpopulated, and houses are inhabited, and the land is ruined and devastated, and the Lord has sent the people off to a distant place, and the very heart of the land is completely abandoned. And don't you know at that, Isaiah went, yes, I mean, I get to do that? You mean, God, you're going to let me go tell everybody that you're going to lose everything, and that you're going to get taken into captivity, and you're going to take it from your hometown, and a new culture is going to be shoved down your throat, that if you don't accept that culture, you're going to die? You mean, God, really, all the people, you're going to pick me? Unfortunately, God did not say to Isaiah, I'm looking for a man who will do this, and then tells. Because Isaiah might have said, you better keep looking, I don't see anybody here, right? (laughs) What God says is, I'm looking for the person. And in the zeal, the Holy Spirit, right, in us, says, you know what? I could be that person at work. I could be that person in my family. I could be that person within my friendships, because we all have those things. We have those things where you go out with the girls, and you go out with the guys, and you go to work, and it's, it's so easy to do what they do 
say what they say, think how they think, even though you don't disagree, uh, you might disagree with it. You might disagree with their actions. And so this week, as I was thinking through this scripture that grabbed my heart so many years ago and how I completely didn't understand it, um, I was reminded that oftentimes my message is not a warm and fuzzy message. Like you guys often tell me, man, you're hard. Actually, you say it like this, you're more positive. You're like, man, man, I really needed that butt kicking today. And I feel bad because I'm like, man, I was trying to be encouraging. You know, I'm not very good, I'm not very good at encouraging, right? But it's this, so the, the, this message inside of me, guys, is not this warm and fuzzy. Like, I think if we wanted to grow this church faster and have more butts and bucks, I could tweak my message and talk warm and fuzzy and tell you what you want to hear and tell you what this culture wants to hear. But I'm telling you, I'm not that guy. And I'm not saying that my ways or what I say is always right, but I try to be in tune with what I think the scripture is saying to me. And so my message at times may be difficult for you, but here's what I can promise you if you're checking out New City. I'm not going to skirt around issues. I'm not going to water it down so that you feel better about it. No, no, no. I'm going to come at you with the truth. If you want to question that truth or my perception of that truth, that's fine. Let's have a cup of coffee. I love coffee. And we'll talk through that. I'm not perfect. I'm, I say stupid things. Ask my wife. Ask my friends. But I will not sugarcoat. And I will not go around the bush trying to make you feel better or make you uh, uh, water down what the scriptures say. I, that's, not, that's not the message that's in my heart. That's not how I'm wired. Here's how I'm wired. I want to get there. I want to win. At the end of my life, I want you to look at me and say, there's a dude who finished the race. Not a guy who led us astray because he wanted to tickle our ears. No. But can I tell you that even the hardest message when it's truth is a good message? And it's a godly message? And it's a fun message? Because in the crazy... Anybody think the world's crazy sometimes? Come on. If you don't, that's okay. I think the world's completely nuts. Bonkers. Remember those old KB squared bonkers? Hated those things. This world's crazy. This world's bonkers. But in the craziness, I find solitude and I find peace because I know that I serve the one true God. And if no one else in my, in my life, in my culture, in my neighborhood chooses to follow God, I can have peace because they may think I'm nuts, but you know what? I'm just being as obedient as I know how to be. Now listen, I speak the truth in love as best I can. I'm way more mean in here than I am out there. You need to know that. I'm, out there, you can't say it this hard. You guys are, apparently, you're in church, the people of God. If you want softer version, Matt, if you want uh, more, let's take time to get you to what I'm kind of trying to say, Matt, then, 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 then quit coming here and engage me outside. But in here, I assume that you're people that want to follow Jesus, you're designed to have the heart of God, and we ain't got time to dance around. Now listen, I love conversations. On the app, there's a little prayer button. Man, I've had, uh, one, the first time we talked about it, we had six people do that. And I followed up with each one of them. One of them, we even led to a real deep discipling conversation that was just awesome. If you want to talk about things that's going on in the world that you don't understand, man, I'm willing to do that. But right here in this context, I'm not trying to convince you of anything. What I want to do is hold up the scriptures and say, I've really just tried my best to do what I asked God a long time ago. Here am I, send me. Is that cool? Here's the problem. The people that are in your family, the people you work with, our culture in general, we, we have this idea about God that he's okay with everything. 
let's, we think he's okay with everything. As long as you're sincere. And as long as, you, as long as you're a good person. What in the world does that even mean? A good person. Like, you think you're a good person. Like, next to Osama bin Laden, you're looking pretty good. Next to my granny Esther, you ain't doing too hot. So, right? So what in the world does being good even mean? Jesus doesn't say, be good. He says, follow me. Follow me. But we live in a world that says, oh, no, 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 you can follow Jesus, but, but that, that really means that you can follow Jesus in your own way. That's not truth. Not only were Jesus' words ordained, but also his actions. And you say, well, man, I don't, I don't know what Jesus said. I don't know what Jesus did. You ready for some truth? That's your own fault. I'm guessing you can read. You don't have a Bible, we'll give you one. We have story groups through the week. We talk about Jesus every single week. There's about a kajillion versions of the Bible online you could read. So if you don't know what Jesus said or what Jesus did, I mean, it's just four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's his life told about four different accounts. You can step into those things and read it. So for you to say, well, I don't know what Jesus said. Well, good gravy. They even put book on tape that you can listen to in your car. But then I would have to not listen to my music. You're right. Wow, I know, it's hard. I didn't know it was so hard. I thought I could just say, like, I love God and everything be okay. I didn't know I actually had to do something. Did you know that Jesus wrote a letter? He wrote a letter to the churches that's found in the book of Revelation. And in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus addresses a letter specifically to the church in Lacedonia. And it's my understanding, the way that I read it, is that letter represents, or that church in Lacedonia, really reflects well the, our church today, the, the church in, in the West. A caution of how, uh, how Jesus saw or see or identified the church. And, and I, I want to read this to you. It's on the screen. It's in your insert. It's on the back side of there. Revelation 3, starting in verse 13. Look what Jesus says for John to write. He says, these are the words of the amen, the so be it. The faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. You know what Jesus is saying? I'm the man. Listen to what I got to say. I'm the boss, foundation of New City Church. Jesus is what? Lord, not friend, not co-pilot. Listen, if you think Jesus is your co-pilot, let him fly the flipping plane, all right? He doesn't want to be your co-pilot. I'm pretty fired up. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I know your deeds. This is what Jesus says to us. Listen, let, let this resonate with you. Jesus says, I know your deeds. Not, I'm, I think, you know, I kind of assume this about, you know, he says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one of the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am going to spit you out of my mouth. Some translations will use the word vomit. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. It's like the emperor in his new clothes. Remember that story? I counsel you, Jesus says, to buy from me gold refined in fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now, I would encourage you this week as a discipling tool to read that passage, that, that section of Scripture every day and unpack it as best you can on what the Holy Spirit is saying to your life. The simple two questions are this. As you read it, God, what are you saying to me and what am I going to do about it? 
Don't dare just say, God, what are you saying? And then not look for the application. God, what are you saying? And what are you asking me to do about it? Because anybody that tells you, any pastor that tells you all you have to do to, to, to be a follower of Jesus is come up front, raise your hand, shed some tears and say, I want a free ticket to heaven and you're done, lied to you. Nowhere in scripture do you see a God inviting people to follow him and then says, oh, thank you for coming and grabbing a hoe. Now you can do whatever you want. And that's what our culture wants you to believe. Oh, if you cry hard enough, if you, if you really felt it, like I really, fe- it doesn't matter what you feel in those situations. Jesus says this. Well, let's just walk this through this. Here are some thoughts. The first thing is this. It's not the world that makes Jesus sick. It's not the world that Jesus wants to spit out of his mouth. We need to catch this, Christians. It's not the world, but rather a church who is neither hot nor cold. Jesus doesn't write this letter to the world. He writes this letter to a specific type of church people, a church that's neither hot nor cold. You know, the title of this in a second is, How Do We Stay Hot for Jesus? You know, we we have to keep our passion, this white-hot faith, for the things of Christ. Because when we get lukewarm, neither hot nor cold as a church... God says, you know what, I want to spit. Listen, I just cannot be a part of a leadership of a church that makes Jesus sick to his stomach. But you know what makes a spiritually healthy church? Spiritually healthy people. This building has no feelings. The church is the people. Right here, 930, you are a third of our church. And your spiritual health, and whether or not you're hot or cold or neither, affects what is the collective called New City Church. And so that's why our vision statement is you, family, city. Because it starts with you, and are you lukewarm? Are you hot or are you cold or are you neither? And it is my message to you always is to get you smoking hot. I want you smoldering. Because, man, something on fire. People can come watch it burn. People are going to know, wow, there's something different about your life. There's something different about you. But the problem is, is that you're neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm. You're this when, when the pressure's here. And you're this when the pressure's here. Like at church, it's so easy to be amen and fired up and yeah. But then you go to work with those idiots. Come on, right? It's what you call them in your truck. They're bozos. They're morons. They don't get it. And yet they bully you with their thinking and their attitude to act just like them. And because you're lukewarm, you won't say, no, I will be hot here as well. And you may not like me. You may make fun of me. Listen, who cares? I want to say this to you. Our anger, church, our anger should not be aimed at the world. The world is acting like the world is expected to. Our anger should be first towards our own sin and second towards the hypocrisy of the lukewarm church. My thoughts. Not trying to push them on you, but these are my thoughts. We we worry so much about the speck in the world's eye while ignoring the log in our own. But if I can spend enough time yelling about this uh, new law, or if I can spend enough time yelling about this new thing, or if I can direct all my anger over here, then I never have to worry about what God's trying to say to me in my own life. And church, here's what God says to you. Quit worrying about the world. God's got the world. The world's acting just like the world is supposed to. And instead, spend a little more time in front of that mirror saying, God, what are you saying to me? How am I as a husband? How am I as a wife? How am I as a friend? How am I as a mother? How am I as a father? Oh, I could spend all my time screaming about the people outside these walls and never, ever, ever go to work on Matt Miller. Oh, man, I'm, I'm a, Jen calls it my lawyer mode. 
I get witty, and I get short, and it's funny, and it cuts. And man, I can do that on a lot of things, but yet never touch Matt Miller. Man, we have to stay hot. So how do we do this? Let's look at Revelations 3 and see what Jesus actually writes about this. This is what Jesus says. First, I want to point out that we should purchase the purity provided by giving your life and loyalty to Jesus. Purchase the purity. How do you purchase the purity? Well, look, first of all, let's look at that scripture, and we'll come back to this point. Revelation 3.18, Jesus writes, I counsel you. Like, hey, can I give you some coaching, Jesus says. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire. A few weeks ago, we talked about the gold shield and the bronze shield. Anybody remember that? Do you really? That's awesome. I thought I don't really remember. I had to go back and look. Um, I'm kidding. But the, the gold shield and the bronze shield. Do you remember what gold always signifies in Scripture? The purity of God and the bronze represented the strength of man. And look what Jesus says here. He says, purchase from me, right? Let me counsel. Purchase from me the gold refined in the fire. I mean, Jesus is saying this. I have the purest of the pure gold. It's been refined. There's no other stuff in it. It is like the real deal. And he says, purchase it from me so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. So you, again, no one can do this for you. Your wife can't do this for you. Your husband can't do this for you. Your pastor can't do this for you. Jesus says to you, he says, listen, I counsel you to purchase this gold, this purity from me. And so how do we purchase that? How how do we buy into this idea of Jesus? Because he is the purity. He is the refined gold. It is Jesus' way, his words, his methods. How do, we, how do we buy into this idea of Jesus and quit buying into the, 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 the ideas of what the culture offers us? Well, this is what I would argue. You can purchase by giving your life and loyalty to Jesus. It's not a tithe in the offering bucket. A tithe in the offering bucket, an offering in the offering bucket is fruit that follows the heart and life. You cannot buy your way into heaven. You ain't got that much money. Mark Cuban don't have that much money. The other sharks on the shark tank don't have that much money. But you purchase it with your life. Jesus says, if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. But if you save your life, you hope to protect it, you will lose it. Jesus says, or Paul writes, that you were bought with a price. That your life should be a living sacrifice. Like, if you have this idea, oh, I can do whatever I want, I'm American, I'm free. No, yeah, you're American and you have freedom, but you were purchased with the blood of Christ. And man, what are you going to live for? What are you going to live for? And this is sneaky, because we can live for all types of things. Your 401k didn't die for you. The royals didn't die for you. I like the royals. Go today, yay, Right? But it's the, it's the cross of Jesus that he lays his life down and says, listen, all I require of you now is that you live for me, that you would allow me to live through you. And then the loyalty piece. I love this word, man. It's like my word right now. Are you loyal to Jesus or are you loyal to other things? God, Jesus would counsel you. He would coach you. Listen, you need to give your life. You need to give me your life and your loyalty. And if you do those two things, I'm guessing the other things in your life will begin to figure themselves out. 
Is your calendar divided between loyalty with God and loyalty with the world? Like, was it hard for you to get here this morning? Has it been a challenge for you this week to, uh, to walk with me on the daily blog? Do you just not have time for that devotion? I would say your loyalty could be divided because they're not that long. Is your checkbook divided? Is your bank account divided between loyalty, between where, you're, where you see your money going, but yet where you feel like Jesus is calling you to invest your resources? Like it's every area of our life that we have these divided loyalties. Like, and we could just go through all of, the, all of the pillars of our life, all of the, the key areas of our life and say, wow, am I divided here or there? Look at this next one. Jesus talks about discipline. Here would be the point to accept the Lord's discipline, right, and repent. Accept the Lord's discipline and repent of your sin. Is that the right way I got that in there? Revelations 3.19, look what Jesus says. He says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. This is hard for us. We don't like to be wrong. We like to be right. And my prayer for you, you probably don't want me praying, you, praying this for you, but my prayer for you is that God would, would discipline you because he loves you. If you're consistently in sin, if like you know that there's some stuff in your life that you know the Bible disagrees with and you're plowing ahead anyway and you're not experiencing any kind of discipline, I would encourage you to take a salvation spiritual gut check because Jesus says that he disciplines those he loves. I have three kids. One of them's over in Kid City. He's Luke. He's four. He's not the only four-year-old in the room over there. And if all those four-year-olds over there start rioting, it's going to take over a new city. Guess which kid I'm going to spank when I walk around the corner? Guess. Am I spanking your kid? I like your kid. I don't love him like I love Luke. Luke's my boy. And he's held to a higher standard because of my love for him. And when that little stinker's out of line, daddy has to discipline his child. Why? Because I don't like my son and I'm mad at my son? No, 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 no. It's out of love for my boy. Because I expect more out of him than I expect out of your child. Not because I'm a better parent, because that's my kid. Is that fair? You get that, guys? Moms and dads, you get that? God is the same way with you. God expects more out of those who he says, follow me. And you said, ooh, God, I'll follow you. He expects more right away. You say, but Lord, my friends really want me to do this. God says, and? But God, I really, and? I have a higher expectation for you because you are my child. You are my son and you are my daughter. And if you choose to continue to riot over in Kid City, I will have no choice but to bust your butt. And I don't know if you've ever been spanked by God, but you never walk away going, was I just spanked by God? <laughs> like sometimes I'm not sure Luke received the message. You know, I've, man, when God gets you, you know you've been God. Now, when that happens, it may be happening right now in your life. Don't pick up the bronze shield. I'm going to keep on. I'm going to show how strong I am. I'm going to show my strength, and I'm going to continue. No, no, no. Accept the Lord's discipline. Accept it. How about you accept, accept it? If it was me, I would get on my knees, and I'd put my face to the ground, and I, was, I would say this. Lord, I accept your judgment. And I believe, although this is not fun, that this is best for me. And I repent of my actions. There's a big difference between saying I'm sorry and repenting. Repent means I won't do that again. Because the spanking is no fun. I agree that this is wrong. And how would I, again, how would I do this? 
I would be on my knees, my face on the ground, whether the carpet's clean, dirty, tiles, it doesn't matter. And I would repent of my actions and I would accept his discipline and beg him that he would let up because my obedience is back in line with him now. Now, some of us in this room of this size, that's what must happen in your life. Oh, man, it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, it matters. It matters. Any of you, you, you guys have the kid that you spank and they act like he doesn't cry? <laughs> right? And they just keep on? Anybody have that kid? Don't be that kid. Accept the Lord's rebuke. You're not perfect. Nobody expects you to be. I know you're not perfect. If you think I think you're perfect, I don't think you're perfect. I hope you don't think I'm perfect. God spanks me too. And when God spanks, we accept the discipline. Why? Because I know, like my son Luke, he loves me. And he wants the best for me. And this is not how a child of, the God, of God acts. Do with that as you may. Last one is this. And this is the one that gets me and I'm done. Jesus says this. Check out verse <clears throat> 18. Here I, here I am, he says. Remember how we started off the service? God's looking down. He says, oh, man, who could I send? And Isaiah says, here I am I. Well, now Jesus says it to us. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus, again, context, is writing a letter to the local church in Lacedonia. And he says to this church, I stand at the door and I knock. My question is this, people of God, what in the world is Jesus doing outside of his church? Is a church even a church if Jesus is not in the church? Is it not just a social club with a mission? And Jesus says, I stand outside and I knock. And as Greg Peterson reminded me this week, I thought it was so great, good insight. Jesus does not say, if you hear my knocking and let me in. He says, I stand at the door and I knock. And if you hear my what? Voice. Oftentimes, the church is too loud, making their noise, telling the world what they're against, telling the world what they're for, that we can't even hear Jesus outside knocking saying, hey, can I come in here? You guys are here for me, right? Could, could I come into the club? Could I be a part of you following me? Now, I made it easy on you because I talked about the collective of New City. I'm going to talk about you as I've thought about me this week. Jesus stands at the heart of your life, your heart's door, and he knocks. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm going to ask you the same thing I just asked the church. What in the world is Jesus doing on the outside? Is your life so chaotic, so loud, so busy that, that you don't even have time for Jesus to come in and spend time with you to share a meal? And hear that. That's, that's abiding language. Open the door. Man, I'm knocking. If you will hear my voice and you will let me in, he's not going to go, well, I've been sitting outside here for a long, long time. He's not going to say that. He says that I will come in. We will share a meal together. It's this idea of abiding. We're not going to go to the Taco Bell uh, drive-thru, grab something really quick. No, no, no. We're going to sit down, and we're going to share a meal, and we're going to dialogue, and we're going to talk, and you're going to learn more about me. Can I plead with you this morning to let Jesus into your life? As sincerely as I know how to say it, he stands at your door, and he knocks. And he's not there to accuse you. Please hear this. Some of you need to hear this. He's not there to condemn you. He's not there to talk about your home improvements. He's not there to judge you. 
He says, if you'll let me in, I just want to do life with you. In your mess, in your chaos, in your brokenness. See, you think, oh, wait, everybody clean up. Put the stuff in the closet, under the bed. Hurry, get Jesus is here. Let's hide it. Let's make it look like we're all good. No, 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 no. Stop it. Let me in. And let's do some food. And let's talk. Makes it so much easier to follow Jesus when you know what he wants. Amen? It makes it so much easier to love my wife when we take time to go out to dinner. Take time to get the kids to bed and just talk and to find out what her needs are, what she's curious about, what she's worried about. It makes it so much easier for my wife and I when we sit down and we look at a budget and we see where our money is and where our money isn't. It makes it so much easier to know what our next step is. Same thing spiritually. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to have communion this morning. And this is what I beg of you. I'm going to invite Charlie Blair, one of our elders, to come up. He's going to read Isaiah 53 to us as we prepare our hearts for communion. Charlie, if you want to come on up, buddy. And um, as Charlie reads, and before you go grab a piece of bread and a, um, a, a cup of juice, the mic's on, um, I want to invite you to first ask yourself this question. Where is Jesus? Is he in your life? Or is he standing outside going, man, I really want to come in? The altar is open. You got space in between your chairs if you need to get on your knees and put your face in an act of repentance. But please don't um, challenge God with your bronze shield at the communion table. You can fool me. You're not fooling him. Isaiah 53, written years ago, speaks about the coming Messiah. And when you think about, did God really have a plan? Did God really know in this great big story of his that one day he was going to send his son? And listen to Isaiah 53. Years and years and years and years prior to our Messiah Jesus. Who, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him uh, like a tender shoot and like a, a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and, he, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, and we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, 
nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. And the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and, and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors.